If you have any kind of dream or goal, you just want to do things towards in that direction. You don't want to just like keep going all over the place because it's scattered energy and it's not going to produce any results. Mm -hmm. right? It may give you a lot of experiences, which could be fun if that's what you're looking for in this lifetime. But if you actually want to achieve something, then you need the focus and mm -hmm. the direction. Right? Welcome to Redefining Reality where we live at the intersection of wellness, business, and the birth of a global tribe. So relax your body-mind, open your heart, and recognize that we are the ones we've been waiting for. Good day, my friends, beautiful people, powerful people. I'm talking to you. This is Brian Hardy back with Redefining Reality. And today we have another fantastic, phenomenal episode. This episode is with my friend Anna Shinitska. Shinitska. I butchered her name the first time I tried to say it. It's Polish. And Anna is... A fascinating, fascinating individual, sort of a renaissance woman, all around, you know, naturalist, healer, entrepreneur, really um, everything that this show is about, I see embodied in Anna. And so it was such a great pleasure to have her on the show and to sit down and to hear her story and to hear about her adventures biking across the country. She literally biked from Victoria all the way out to, I think, St. John's, Newfoundland. It's something like 7,200 kilometers. And we get into that in the podcast. Um, but she also runs a few different holistic care centers in Toronto here. So she's got the you know business owner hat, the practitioner hat. She's a coach. She's a homeopath. She's written books. We talk a lot about wild edibles in this podcast. And um, it was just fascinating, just so much fun to sit down and talk with her, um, including, you know, we, we talk about the misconceptions around homeopathy, because if you're like me, you might think that all homeopathy is sugar pills and, you know, diluted water extracts that have no actual medicine in them and therefore are quackery. Um, now, I didn't think that they were quackery, but I didn't realize that there are non-diluted homeopathic remedies that people use. Um, so we talk about that. We talk about just, you know, reconnecting to nature and the fact that people as city dwellers, you know, we have such a limited experience and relationship to the world around us. And you think about, you know, People might be walking through a park and they say, ooh, a bird, or, oh, look at that beautiful plant, or I love this tree. And we never use the actual names for these beings, right? We don't know the, the trees by name. We oftentimes don't know the plants by name or the birds. You know, we can't recognize the different bird calls and the different colorings and so forth. It's just a bird or a tree or a plant. And it's really sad because... There's a lot of richness and a lot of relationship that 
those with a more indigenous mindset um, experience and tap into. And so we talk about that. We talked about all sorts of stuff. I'm going to leave it at that before I, you know, try to spell out everything that comes up in the episode. It's a really good episode, though. And uh, before we get into it, like always, our sponsor are the awesome folks at Audible. So if you go to audibletrial.com forward slash Brian Hardy, that will bring you to a offer page where you can get 30 days of free Audible service and a free audiobook that's yours to keep regardless of if you continue on with the service. And I'll say it now, I've said it many times before, Audible has changed my life. It's brought so much access to information and books and stories that have uh, profoundly impacted the way I see the world and the way that I live, um, including my favorite, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself and the meditation program that's laid out there. If you are looking to really set your day and master the inner game, or at least work towards that um, and break some patterns and form some new ones, then please check out that book because that's what it's all about. And it covers neuroscience and it covers sort of spirituality and it's a fantastic, fantastic book. So that's audibletrial.com forward slash Brian Hardy. All of the links that uh, we talk about are over at brianhardy.ca forward slash Anna, A-N-N-A. Anna, just like that. And uh, there we have links to uh, books, her book, her clinics, remedies that she talks about, various plants that she talks about. Um, There's a picture of some of her journeys. And uh, yeah, lots of fun stuff. So please check it out. Please, if you like the podcast, if you have a minute, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and a review. Those really help out the show. That helps out um, the iTunes algorithm. So slowly we can build our way up the charts. And I've not been good at being consistent with asking people to do this. But if you're listening, it would be so, so very much appreciated if you could do that. It just takes a few minutes. Pop over. Five-star review and uh, rating. And uh, help us out. Help us out in that little way. And as always... If you are dealing with some health challenges, if you want to look deeper, if you want to get a second opinion, get some perspective on what might be going on, then book a consultation with me. Free consultations, 15 to 30 minutes. Hop on the phone, hop on Skype, you know, get an idea of where you're at and see if I can help because that's what I do. That is what I do. Holistic nutritionist and wellness coaching are what I do, and I love to to partner with folks and help them get strategies that are sustainable so they can stop suffering and stop being tossed around from one diet to the next, from one practitioner to the next, but really get some solid foundational principles built in. So if that's you, hit me up. The homepage at my website has a link, and uh, yeah, you can schedule there. So without further ado, I'm going to leave you with this podcast with my friend, Anna Shinitska of the Holistic Care Center. Be well and stay beautiful. We are back for another edition of Holistic Biohacking here in the Alternity Lounge, 236 Christie Street. Come and check it out. It's one of the coolest places in Toronto. And 
Today I'm very excited to talk with my guest. Um, she has a, a very rich and wide history and is up to a lot of really cool things. Um, so I'm just pumped. I'm pumped. And so that is the lovely Anna Sienica? Shinitska, yeah. Shinitska. Yeah, Shinitska. Okay. Yeah, it's a Polish last name. Polish last name. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Thank you so much for having me here. It's so beautiful. I love this location and I'm so excited to be a part of this. My pleasure. My yeah. pleasure. And I just want to say a quick thank you to our mutual friend Sonia who made the yes, connection. Yes, Sonia. Thank you so Sonia. much, Sonia. Yes. You're a rock. You're I would amazing. have never known about Brian if it wasn't for Sonia. And mm -hmm. yeah. Sonia is the dental hygienist, right? She's yes. a holistic, she uses homeopathic remedies in her practice. She makes amazing. And that's how I learned about Sonia because of the homeopathy. Okay. Yeah. Which is a big part of who My you are. My life, yes. Yes. And so I wanted to sort of start at the beginning, right? Okay. And get a bit of the background, the story, the defining moments in your life. Um, where were you born? What was that? What was your childhood looking like? And sort of what put you on a path to end up doing what you're doing today, which is homeopathy, which is wild foods, which is holistic care centers, all this amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. How did it begin? Well, it really began here. I was born in Poland uh, in 1996. Uh, no, 76. So okay. I'm say, in my 40s now. Okay, yeah, yeah, 96. I came to Canada. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, so it was still a communist country. Um, people were relying on wild foods, and that's how my background with wild food is actually connected. We actually, uh, just to go a little bit off track, it was actually quite amazing when I think about it. There was no pollution. All the paper was recycled. There was no plastic. Everything was glass, and glass had to be returned to stores. Mm. You would never see garbage on the ground. Everything was very echo. Um, milk was delivered, everything was organic, nothing was used, in, there was no pesticides, we didn't have any classification of food, whether organic or conventional, it's actually everything was organic, mm -hmm. and uh, everything was very fresh. So I came here when I was 20, I was going to study uh, at university, and I ended up enrolling myself at York University to study kinesiology and health science. Okay. I was um, very sport inclined, hence my cycling across Canada. And on my fifth year, I was um, debating whether become, to become a physiotherapist or what else I should be doing. And during that time, I had this crazy acne all over my face and my back, my neck. And despite all this athletic training, eating really clean, I couldn't necessarily help myself with this. I tried pretty much everything, changing my hormones, uh, going on birth control pill, uh, using different steroids. and whatnot, I went through that entire uh, avenue until someone recommended to try homeopathy. Mm. And I booked myself an appointment. At that point, I was so desperate for a cure that I would just do anything if you said that that's going to work. Mm -hmm. And within one month, my acne actually stopped producing. Within two months, it started completely disappearing. Within three months, I had the scars started healing. and. Within six months, you would never even tell that actually I had acne. Mm -hmm. So I was so amazed with this, and I decided that, you know what, I'm going to actually study homeopathy because I was so interested. How, like, how is that possible? Because I was really you know, healthy from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And um, so I ended up enrolling myself in homeopathy and 
four years later, I became a homeopath. And then, um, and during the studying and my practice, uh, I was playing with different herbs and mushrooms and so on and so forth. And the evolution was that after seven years of or so, I outgrew myself where I was renting and I decided to open my own studio, my own clinic. And the dream was, I woke up one day with the just complete information of what my next step is. I was informed that I had to go to the medical building and look for space there and I found an amazing space. It was way bigger than what I could afford and what I even needed. But I had this knowing that that's what I got to do, that mm. I just got to follow the, the steps. And it just, within a month, it was op fully operating. We had enough practitioners to cover the rent. And it just, that's how everything started rolling. Mm. Yeah, so that was a little bit like a quick uh, way to get to the holistic center. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. And so how long ago was that? That was three years ago with the first one. Three so I've been ago. in practice for 10 years, so. And self-running self and owning this place for three years. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so from like dream vision to, to, to real life, it was a one month or from actually finding the space? I Literally, guess. it was about two months. It started in wow. the summer. I just felt like this is the time for me to move out from the place I was renting and I was just directed all of a sudden I saw the sign, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to check. I booked an appointment with the real estate agent. The place was available. All the renovation was covered. I was actually scrambling for money. I didn't have any money. And um, well, not that I didn't have any money. I didn't have enough money for the space. Mm -hmm. So a bunch of little miracles started happening during that time. Uh, I love the raw finish of wood. And there's this beautiful place where we went to get uh, this countertop for our sink. And it was about $800. I went with a friend to buy it. And then I realized, like, wow, it's $800. There's no way I can afford this. Mm. And she said, Anna, but it's your dream. You, gotta, you just got to trust. It's going to... Just put it on your card, you'll see something's gonna happen. And of course, I ended up paying for it. On a drive from the warehouse where I got the wood to the clinic, I get a phone call and it's this uh, Chinese doctor, a traditional Chinese doctor. He calls me and he said, hi, uh, do you sell chaga? And of course I do, I've been collecting chaga from, for a very long time now. And I said, yes, I, I do have some chaga. How much would you like? And he said, I'll take everything you have. So that was about $1,200 or $1,300, which covered for the countertop and some furniture. And so it was just like things like that started happening until we got the place up and running. Mm. Yeah, it was really interesting. It's the same thing with this place, pretty much the same story. It's just a different location. Yeah, and to me, that's always just a sign that, you know, you're in the flow and mm. you're sort of, you know, living God's will or plan or whatever you want to call it, universal, you know, unfoldment. Um, because, yeah, things just effortlessly will come together, right? When you do trust, yeah. when you have a vision, um, and when it's, you know, benefiting people and the planet. So that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, and you got that right. If your intention is to actually benefit the planet, 
things will always work out. It's just, it's amazing. It's like you're actually being supported by so many people and, and nature as well that it's like things will always work out for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, life yeah. itself, yeah. right, is supporting yeah. you. Yeah. That's incredible. And so I didn't even know um, that, so that's almost like med school then, four years. Yeah. Right? To become a, home, a registered... It's three years, but I did also internship following my professor. So I spent um, a lot of hours with him watching, observing, taking notes. So that was a full year of that as well. Yeah, because mm -hmm. it's, it's a little scary when you graduate from school and, you know, like you got to practice right yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah, a bunch of interesting things happen actually when I, so I start, I graduated in 2007 and then I opened my practice in September 2007. Mm. I got pregnant that same year, so when I had my baby, uh, it was very difficult to, you're just opening a practice and you're also a young mom, you, you, you have a little baby and within a year, I went back to snowboarding and I had this crazy accident on the snowboard, which um, ended up being a severe concussion. Mm. I had a complete memory loss. I had no idea I had a child. I didn't remember I had a baby or I was in a relationship or certain things. But using homeopathy and various different things helped me to overcome it. It took me two years to come out of it. And I would say things really started picking up when my son Gabriel was maybe three years old. I was able to commit more to building the practice, building, learning about marketing, because mm -hmm. that was very new and in college no one ever teaches you or if they do, they just give you little tidbits of like what you can have, maybe a business card, but they never really tell you about putting yourself out there talking to people, having workshops, and, and so on and so forth. So mm -hmm. that's when really I, f I think my practice picked up on a third year of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then on a seventh year, I decided to open the center. And then just three years later, we have a second one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's exciting. That is exciting. And so for people that aren't familiar, what's like sort of, you know, the the bullet points of homeopathy or sort of the lens that homeopathy views healing through. Because I know a lot of people in the mainstream community are completely against it. They say yeah. it's, it's quackery and all this sort of stuff. But I know it works. I've felt the effects and I've talked with people and, you know, counseled people and they felt the effects and it's been used for, you know, quite a while now mm -hmm. and practice across the world. So I would love to hear sort of, you know, what is the paradigm that homeopathy is working from? Right, and, and why do they do their dilutions and sort of, how does that sort of unfold? Yeah, so I, I'll, I'll clear, clarify very quickly. Uh, the biggest misconception about homeopathy is, is uh, that it is really highly diluted remedies, right? The remedies are so highly diluted that how could this even uh, be possible to work? Homeopathic remedies are actually anything from mother tincture, which is 50% of part of alcohol to 50% of plant, um, to high, high dilution. So you could have homeopathic remedies that do have substance in it. And you have homeopathic remedies that are highly diluted. Okay. How does it work? Um, it works in a lot of similars. So law of similar, similars is similar to sound wave, like cures like. If you have similar a sound wave, they actually, when they hit each other, they cancel each other out. So for example, what 
what's been observed, let's say, if you've been uh, chopping an onion for about five minutes or so, what's going to start happening is your eyes are going to start tearing, your nose is running, you, it's a little bit maybe irritated, itchy, red. What happens to people when they have first uh, symptoms of high fever? Right? Mm. There's the runny nose, there's the runny eyes, or allergies, or any sorts of um, irritation. After giving, taking a homeopathic remedy made out of allium sepa, which is red onion, the symptoms within 15 minutes cancel each other out and you have the complete dryness. Mm. Right? So the homeopathic remedies, how Hahnemann uh, started working with them is he was taking it himself and observing symptoms. So what, basically what, how we put the symptoms in Materia Medica, because it's so convoluted, it's not just you know a couple of symptoms here and there. So plant has, it's wholesome, just like we are whole beings. We have mind and body and spirit, mm -hmm. same as plants. Plants will never just address one part of a problem, just like, oh, it only works on liver. Any remedy, and same as with medicines and plants, it's always mind and body. You'll notice that homeopathic remedies, if they work on body, they also work on mind. And mind and body are extremely connected. Mm -hmm. You know yourself that if you're very stressed, you'll notice that your, your belly will be um, hurting, you might have symptoms of, of diarrhea, some sweating. So it's just your thoughts, thinking about something gonna be translated into the bodily symptoms. Mm -hmm. So same as with homeopathic remedies, if we, um, so when you take it, you'll notice that, yes, you do have physical symptoms, but there's also a lot of mind symptoms. Mm. You might have a fear of something, you might have um, constant thought of something, and, and, and you might feel like weeping and crying out of nowhere, and it's like, oh, I don't know why I'm doing it, but you feel very emotional. Mm. and so on and so forth. So we have Materia Medica having over 5,000 remedies and each remedy has you know, mind and body symptoms. So when you see someone for as a client, you would take all the symptoms into consideration, mind and body, and then you would match one on top of another. So I don't know if it really uh, makes any sense how I'm describing it. Does, does so. Is it comprehensible? Yeah, I mean, so yeah, it's it's not just super diluted, like that's news to me, because I would have assumed it's just herbal medicine otherwise, right? So it's not necessarily super diluted mixtures. Um, and that when you're looking at the symptom picture, you're looking at emotional, physical, um, potentially even like spiritual, or mental, energetic, yeah. mental, um, and using all of that in order to you know put together a protocol for someone. Yeah. And it's a little bit different from isopathy, although homeopathic remedies could be considered isopathic. So isopathic means same with the same, right? Homeopathic is similar with similar. Okay. So for example, isopathy, if you had severe acne and I would take your zit and take the yellow pus, I could make it into homeopathic remedy and give it back to you, right? That would okay. be isopathy, okay. right? Or some people would take their own urine, they take their own blood and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. Homeopathic would be uh, a remedy sulfur, uh, which causes a lot of dryness, uh, itching, uh, eczema-like symptoms, is an amazing remedy for poison ivy. When you have rash, if you touch poison ivy mm. and you have rash, the, the, the symptoms are similar. They're not identical, mm -hmm. but they're similar and they'll be enough of a, uh, 
of a action that the symptoms will start uh, feeling elevated. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's energy medicine because a lot of remedies are diluted, mm -hmm. but you can work with lower potencies where they do have substance and they they do have the substance, so they're not uh, highly dilution like some people think. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. I also recently heard that um, topical use is more effective in many cases. I'd never heard of people using them topically. I've always just heard of little pellets, right, and tinctures and so forth. Are you? Do you use a lot of topicals or familiar with that? Or yeah, of course, I'm familiar. I use mostly internal, but topical. Anything from forty to eighty percent that you put on your skin gets absorbed into your system. Mm -hmm. Right, same as near your orifices, your mouth, your eyes. So not everyone has to take it internally. You will be absorbing it. Just like we have spray in magne magnesium sprays mm -hmm. or um, essential oils and so on and so forth, they do mm -hmm. get absorbed through the skin. You do not necessarily have to take it internally. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then one other thing that I saw when I was just cruising around your website was the whole idea of a homeopathic first aid kit. Yeah. And so is that essentially like, wait, what is that? Is that something you carry with you, you take on trips, and you have ready for, I guess, like the main symptoms? Like, what would be maybe a few elements that might, someone might, if someone wanted to put together their own version, what would be maybe some of the basics that they could start with? So, depending on what kind of um, kit you need, some for tra you can have a travel kit where you go to different countries, you could have a survival kit where you go to... Uh, you go camping in the middle of nowhere and you're far away from civilization. So a few remedies that would come up would be obviously for injuries, for trauma, right? If you damage your nerves, so hypericum, arnica, bellisparanus, ledum. If you have very deep cut, tetanus, you can have a tetanus shot because mm. we also have homeopathic nozodes. Uh, um, Adrenaline, uh, you could have, if someone has uh, s severe um, allergies, they obviously they're probably gonna have their own EpiPen kit, but you could have homeopathic EpiPen, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So certain things, especially, uh, I find that sometimes people, when they travel far away, they get also a little bit of anxiety, right? Because, mm. and that can, you know, um, perpetuate itself mm -hmm. to something so you can take something to really just calm you down and you know everything's okay again mm -hmm. yeah it's good to have it at least a few remedies i always carry arnica arnica is a good one to have uh, especially when you go snowboarding after my accident i'll learn it's an amazing remedy um, it's good to take after birth sonia uses it after uh, tooth extractions or like after cleaning or any kind of surgery, mm. yeah. Okay. Chamomilla is a really good remedies for babies. So I could talk about homeopathy forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah we could yeah. do the whole workshop on homeopathy here. Yeah, like. no, definitely. <laughs> well, we probably should at some point. Oh, yeah, I think it would be really workshop. fascinating to just share it with everyone and just open eyes uh, to what's possible. Because I know sometimes we, we do really look into um, just science and like, oh, this doesn't make sense because we're very logical beings. But I can tell you, the magic of life is actually being illogical, mm. right? That was my big aha moment when I was cycling across Canada. So if you are okay with that, we could no, just move yeah, to that. No, yeah, that was my next question. So you're reading my mind. Yeah? yeah. So 
So cycling across Canada, I was flying, I was coming to Canada for the first time. I was 20 and uh, I just fell in love with the country. I just mm. thought, oh my God, what if you know I could cycle across the whole thing? I because Poland, people in Poland cycle a lot, just like Holland. Cycling is part of your life. Here is becoming a culture, which is really cool. I'm really happy to see that. Mm -hmm. But back home, everyone uses bike to to go everywhere. And I had this thought. I'm like, well, what if I, you know, what if I could cycle it? And then I realized, you know, every year was something like, oh, like either university or school or or I would. If I had summer off, I would go to Thailand or other places. It was just never the right time. Then I had a baby. And then just like, I realized, like, I just got to do it. Like, I can't wait anymore. You know, like, it's just like, when am I going to do it? In my 60s, mm. right? So I just decided that next year I'm, I'm cycling. And it was just, you know, like this amazing momentum I built up. I bought a bike. I started training. Uh, I got some funds going. And then when I started my trip, so I started in British Columbia on the island, Victoria, mile zero. So that's the very beginning of uh, transcontinental highway across Canada. Mm. And uh, so I started cycling on uh, June 9th. And within three days, when we got to the mainland and I started going through high mountains, you know, I realized, like, what am I really doing? Like, why am I doing this? Like, what kind of dream is this, right? Because you think of a dream like having a glass of wine, being on a beach, you know, just like having your feet in hot water or something and just really relaxing. Meanwhile, I'm sweating, you know, hours at a time. Your, your bottom hurts from being on a saddle for so many hours. Yeah it's just like, what am I doing? Like, what kind of dream is it? Like, whose dream is it? You know, like, why did I have this thought? And like, I was just confused with my own dream. Mm. And then throughout my cycling experience, I realized that this was never my dream to begin with. Actually, mm. it was never my dream. It was something, it was like a knowing that I just knew I had to do it in this, like, I knew that I was just gonna do it. And I realized that it was something, you know, at first it was more like a ra raising awareness about holistic care centers, about holistic medicine. But actually, <clears throat> at the end, it turned out to be a spiritual experience. And I know, like, when we talk about spiritual experience, it sounds kind of like, wow, what is this now? But spiritual experience for me was that something else wanted to experience itself through me. I was just an observer. And as I was cycling on a daily basis, I kept recognizing myself as if, as if I've already been here. It turned out to be so beautiful. I, like I have goosebumps when I think about it. It was just nothing for me to really just like prove myself that I could do it. I just knew I could do it. Mm. And that was that was it. It was just like, it was not even my experience. Was, as I said, like I felt that something greater in me wanted to see this through my body at that time at, at, at those locations. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And how long did the entire thing take? So you, you started in Victoria. Where did you end up? I ended up all the way in Newfoundland on okay. uh, Cape Spears. So that's as east as you can get. Um, and the whole distance was 7,200 kilometers. Uh, it took me 77 days, 55 days riding, 22 days resting. Mm. And my biggest, I guess, day uh, was 260 kilometers in one day. I cycled from Calgary to 
almost medicine had in one day, in nine and a half hours. Mm. Yeah, it was amazing. It was just, uh, well, the whole thing about this, it's nothing actually about your body. It was all about your mind. If you're my, if I, I realized, like, if I started feeling like, oh, again, on a bike, because there are days, like, it's not always fun, right? No. Like, you are in a lot of pain. It's a lot of work. And you are nine hours on a bike a day, right? <laughs> so it's a long time where you're just, mm-hmm. like, it becomes very repetitive. But um, I noticed that when my mind was focus in the right place it was so enjoyable and so beautiful and it went by it like this and if my mind was just like trying to deter it or just don't feel like it it would be a lot harder everything felt more difficult heavier my body wasn't working as well so i realized like for us it's the mind is the most powerful thing Mm -hmm. your body is just a follower your body will just just be trained, you know, like just like a puppy, you know, like you have a controller and you have your doer and your body is just that vehicle. It's not that mm-hmm. your body is like, oh, is my body going to be able to do it? Of course it will be if you believe you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so true of just life, right? We have these, it's called like the meat suit, right? We have this meat suit that we've been given and we, you know, we can do things with it and we want to take care of it. Um, but everything starts with the mind and with consciousness and with belief, right? And that knowing that, no, I'm going to do this, right? That gives you that fuel and having, you know, just being present and really being with the process instead of being focused on, you know, how much further there is to go or how much this is painful or, you know, focusing on um, the things that make us feel drained and that make us feel less than you know ideal yeah which i mean i love it's such a, a clear um, mirror between just every everything in life right and you got a very clear example of from doing the same thing every day day after day um but yeah attitude and perspective is is everything and so you were camping along the way? Yeah, you, I did you, a lot of did camping. Did you have a support van? Or I did, okay. I did. So I organized it because I'm also a mom. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. have a, uh, now he's uh, nine years old, but at that time he was seven. So I wanted him to participate. And because it was a solo trip, it was a little bit hard for me to organize it. So I asked my parents who are retired and uh, I said, you know, would you be able to come with me uh, and just drive the car with Gabriel? And I would meet with you a few times a day, obviously for dinner. And my parents said, yes, you know, like we're going to do it. And mm. I was just, because my mom is not a camper. My parents are in their 70s, right? So, and this is a, not an easy trip because there were many, many days where we were camping by the side of the road, you know? And my original thought was, I'll be cycling and at night I'm just going to take my clothes off and swim in a lake and relax and then I'll eat all this amazing berries and you know like I had this amazing picture in my head and then I realized there was nothing like it. The first time I went swimming was in Ontario because water Mm. in BC was so cold. It's like ice water. There's no way I was swimming in those lakes. It was Mm. just like freezing. and then entire Saskatchewan and Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, there's a prairies and we were basically sleeping by the, you know, either by the side of the road or sometimes we would stay in motels. Uh, a lot of times people invited us over 
Mm. So we slept in people's houses. They would uh, prepare a meal, which was amazing. It was so beautiful. Some people were so generous and gave us a lot of support that way. Mm. So it was all over the place. It was from sleeping in a tent to uh, sleeping in motels and people's houses, basically. the three combinations. Okay. Yeah. And so you had this vision with the berries. Did you at least get a few instances oh, where you yeah. found some amazing berries or fruit or like what was the wild food like? Because I know that's a big part of what you do and you wrote a book about all this. Yes. Um, so what was sort of some of the wild food experiences that stand out? So, so every province has its own, I would say, highlight of what kind of plants you can get. British Columbia is amazing for berries. Uh, probably I ate the most berries in British Columbia and Newfoundland. And also because as I was cycling, the seasons were moving. So when I started in June in British Columbia, berries were already out there. Where when I got to Newfoundland, they were just started to come out. This was kind of amazing. I was following the seasons as I was writing mm. because it's a lot colder there, right? Mm. So that was really cool. <clears throat> well, practically, uh, I had very little time to collect wild plants. Um, I would do it when I took a break uh, for lunch or dinner, and I would walk around and see what grows in the area, and I would make a tea, add it to a salad. However, my parents are highly trained in wild plants. I've been doing wild mm. plants for many, many years, and I actually inspired my parents to, to eat more things from wild plants. They were already uh, supplementing food from before because they also lived in Poland, and they knew a lot about wild plants um, comparing to myself. But then I, as we started learning, oh, this is also edible, and this is really good, and this is really good. They started uh, making and adding salads. So my parents were my chefs. They were cooking for, my, for me, which was really amazing. And we always had wild plants every single day. So for example, so berries and uh, various types. So, so dandelion is pretty much, you can count on every single province. Plantain, wild carrot. Um, these are the, the staples, I think, for the green salad, I would say. Mm. Uh, Alberta and... Uh, Saskatchewan and Manitoba, we have prickly pears, so we would uh, use those. Uh, it's a grassland, um, so there's a lot, uh, everything is a little bit smaller, mm. but then there is a lot of flowers, so alfalfa flowers uh, grow there. Mm. Uh, we use those uh, in steaming, steamed uh, dishes. Ontario, we got to Ontario, and Ontario was amazing. We had pretty much everything, even um, things like, um, was that purple flower uh, kind of, uh, I'm just skipping my mind. The one that we use for colds. Anyway, it echinacea? was- Yeah, even echinacea, wild echinacea would grow uh, as well. Mm. But all the, uh, from uh, mountain ashes to uh, little berries, to blueberries, to r wild like Arctic raspberries. So Northern Ontario, we have Arctic raspberry. It's a little bit different. So I thought at first it was a salmon berry. So Arctic raspberries are a little bit shorter, they're about six inches and they have no prickles and they taste like a combination of raspberry and strawberry together. So when I would eat it for the first time, I'm like, what is this berry? But then I realized it was an Arctic raspberry, which we also have in Newfoundland. Mm. So Ontario and Quebec and um, uh, I would say Maritimes uh, are very similar with plants, abundant of pretty much everything, even elderberries. Mm. And in Newfoundland, we were just 
again, eating, well, once you have your staples, like you eat as, you know, similar things, you don't try uh, new things. But what we found in um, Newfoundland were all kinds of new berries that we've never seen. So snowberry, which tastes like um, one of the pops, uh, the, not a ginger ale. Cream but soda? Or the red one. It's like the winter right? wintergreen, right? Winter. Is that the is it the is that the cream soda? I don't drink that much pop, so. Um, I'm not sure. Cream soda is pink. It's like pinkish. It will come to me. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So yeah, there are varieties of different berries, um, marsh berries, and. <clears throat> So that was really like the staples we would put it on. Like I had a lot of ice creams. I had to eat between five and seven to eight thousand calories a day. So mm -hmm. it was immense amount of food I, I would eat on a daily basis. So we would put all these berries on ice cream or make teas and add it to soups. And it wasn't mostly wild food. I would also eat regular food as well. Right. So just to make sure that I'm not saying that I only ate wild foods. Yeah. We were supplementing with wild yes. foods. Yeah. Okay, good. Yes. No, yeah. I would imagine you'd starve pretty yeah. quickly. If you no, there's actually quite a bit. It's just who, like my parents were also like busy with, with a child. They weren't just like going and collecting flowers all day long, right? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. What about mushrooms? Did you do a lot of mushrooms? I know mushrooms, I know you make your own tinctures of mushrooms and so forth. Um, did you find, do you, I mean, I guess for you, they are food, they are medicine. Um, I'm curious to just hear a few of your sort of favorites, favorite mushrooms, things that are, you know, accessible to people, things that people could look for. Um, so mushrooms really, would, you would have to go north of Barrie to have good access to uh, mushrooms. The best mushrooms, I would say, they grow in a belt of Algonquin Park. That's where all the bullets and all the chanterelles and old men's um, are growing. Uh, purple uh, quart and so on and so forth. My favorite, I always go for you know the standards that I grew up uh, eating. So I do love chanterelles. I love uh, orange bullets and all the dark bullets. Um, uh, triches, um, sweetest mushrooms, uh, lobster. These are my, I would say, top five. Mm. We also eat a lot of honey mushrooms, um, some puffballs, and uh, I would say these are the, the, the main mushrooms that I would collect. Uh, most mushrooms, like the black trumpet, a lot of trumpets, uh, um, a lot of trumpets, a lot of mushrooms are, you know, so certain mushrooms, like let's say honey mushrooms, they grow in big groups and they're easier to harvest when you go and find them. Mm. Other mushrooms, you gotta hike a lot and you just find one here, one there, you know, one somewhere else. So it's not like you can actually make a, a big batch of soup from that mushroom. It's more just like, it's like a novelty or you would make a sauce out of different mushrooms. Mm -hmm. um, there are certain patches that would grow with like certain bullets and chanterelles. They, they like to grow together. So that's why they're a little bit easier to, um, to harvest. Mm. Um, and obviously the lion's mane, the chicken mushroom is probably the most, uh, it's extremely tasty. Have you had chicken mushroom? Chicken mushroom, no. It looks like a, it's like a, it's like a shelf mushroom grows on trunks and it's very orange and it 
if you cut it, it lo literally looks like chicken breast. You know when you split chicken breast, it has those fibers? Chicken mushroom has the same thing. Okay. It tastes like chicken. If I made it uh, with a sauce, you would never actually be able to di differentiate that it's not real chicken. Wow. Right? We have also shrimp mushroom that tastes like shrimp. We have lobster mushroom that ta like literally tastes like lobster. And it has the same consistency like a lobster too. What? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, so mushrooms are really cool. And what I love about mushrooms, so for me, mushrooms are more like, because mushroom is just a fruit of mycelium, right? It's a network that is all underneath the ground and it's all connected. Mm. So I feel like when you eat a mushroom, you're like automatically connecting yourself with the rest of the world. It's kind of like you get this like download of energy, what else is happening with the earth? Because a lot of us are very, one area base like not many people travel um and not many people really even leave the city in a in a summer i find a lot of people like for them camping is a novelty like oh i went camping once it's like oh <laughs> it sounds funny but it's just like you know for me it's like it's a little funny yeah. so so with with mushrooms when when you go to the forest you literally have that connection with everything that's happening on the entire planet because it's all connected mm. underneath it so that's one of the you know that's one of the ways to just like for me to get connected with nature is mm -hmm. to it's almost like nature's version of the internet it's kind of that's exactly seeing. how i see it yeah it's this network right that's expansive and transmits information extremely quickly and evolves together um, yeah. And it's so almost incredible. like it's made for you because mushroom, when it comes out as a fruit, it only has a few days before it actually wilts and goes back, right? So if you mm. collect a mushroom that is old, like you're not going to really enjoy it. So when you go mushroom picking, it's almost like the specific mushrooms popping out for you to see them and they're mm. ready for you to pick it up. Because I was always like as a little kid, when you uh, go mushroom hunting in Poland, they would always say like you have to talk to them and you know, let them know you're here and you have to be very quiet and look for them because there are times that you could literally walk with your friend, you walk by a mushroom, one person will see it and no one else will see that mushroom. So it's almost like they show themselves to you specifically and someone else could do the same path and they will literally walk by it, will not see it. Mm. So there's that connection like, oh my gosh, you know, it's, it's my, it's for me, you know, I see it and yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's very, and as I said, like you come two days later, it's gone. It's gone. It's there's nothing t for you to pick. Okay. Yeah. Incredible. The more I learn about mushrooms, the more fascinated I become. Because um, like when you were listing off those main staples, I recognize like two of the names maybe. So that's an area that I have a lot of exploration to do. Mm -hmm. um, but it's amazing. It's well, it's good to, yeah, and even bolets, like that's just like a general name for over 20 different types of mushrooms. Same as triches, we have over 15 types of triches, right? Same okay. as your, your chanterelle, it's not just one type of chanterelles. Mm. So we have a variety of things, but I think the best thing is to start learning and opening your mind, like what really grows around us, what trees, what plants, what mushrooms, because just like birds, like when I came here, one of the biggest surprise for me, and maybe not in Toronto, I heard that in other cities is a little bit different or other than Toronto. 
everything here is a bird, you know, like, you, oh, bird. I'm like, what's the name of the bird? Like, people didn't know the names of birds, like, which for me was like, you mean like, you don't know it's a sparrow or you, like, you know what I mean? Like they have no differentiation of, mm. of birds. It's like, oh, it's a bird. Oh, it's a tree. It's like, what kind of tree is it? You know, like it mm. has name. There's, they all have different names for them. So maybe I'm not sure whether like, this is like a really fast paced, paced city where people don't have time to learn or everything is just like a plant, a bird or, you know, a tree, but they do have names. And actually there's really cool stories about every single tree and every single bird and every single mushroom mm -hmm. right well and i imagine if when we were young we were told those stories yeah it'd be a lot different right and yeah. if we were raised with that idea um, what i sort of perceive is, is the the indigenous mindset right of mm -hmm. being a part of nature and recognizing that these trees these plants these animals are literally our brothers and sisters or grandparents or parents or aunts and uncles um, that have been here longer than we have, right? And that have their own gift, that have their own history, that have their own medicine. Um, and they're just really, they want to connect and they want to help us if we're able to open that dialogue. Um, Absolutely, even grounding, something so simple mm. as just walking barefoot in a forest or hugging a tree because we are very static beings. We, we, inside, like we wear rubber shoes and we're always indoors. Mm -hmm. So we're very static. -y. It's really amazing to just ground yourself. And a lot of people, like even when you touch each other, you get like that like electric you know, shock. Mm -hmm. So that, that's a really you know, um, good way to like, hey, something's off. Like I gotta take off my shoes and go and hug a tree or you know, lie down on the ground or walk barefoot for a bed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love how it's these super simple acts like that that can have such a profound impact. Yeah. Right? Especially if someone's living a typical city life. Um, to simply do that is, it's like life changing. It can be life changing if you're open to it. Um, oh, yeah. And I, re I really see how, you know, it's, it's this kind of experience and mindset and sharing this with people, like experientially sharing this with people that is gonna be how we build towards some sort of sustainable future, right? Because the pace we're going now is not sustainable at all and is leading to our own destruction, right? And I don't know about you or anyone listening, but I'd like this to be, you know, I'd like diversity and natural life to persist so that my kids and their kids and, you know, future generations can experience what we're meant to or able to experience. Um, yeah, definitely sustainability. I was just even thinking the other day about the emerald beetle. Mm. The way we as a society came up to deal with this was to start cutting trees. It takes 10, 15, 20 years for the tree to establish itself and grow. It becomes a community. Mm -hmm. If it gets infected with a beetle, it has been observed that uh, woodpecker um, population spiked up like crazy. You see them everywhere. And if you chop a tree, it's not like the beetle is gonna die the next day. They're actually gonna travel to the next tree and we're not gonna be able to cut all of the trees in Ontario. So this kind of system, and I read this uh, recently that one tree is worth $195,000 because of all the oxygen it produces, the uh, uh, ground stability and, and so on and so forth. So mm -hmm. 
why not actually maybe introduce more woodpeckers and allow those trees to still flourish and be around and help us with the mm -hmm. uh, with the oxygen production versus just cutting the trees and like thinking like oh problem solved. That's how we have this thing. Like for me, it's mind-boggling. The same thing when your body's out of work, we just like, go like oh I just got to cut it out instead of like what if there is another way to actually shrink it and mm. you know work with your body because your body is listening your body is your best friend always wants to help you out mm -hmm. so if you have a good connection with yourself your body because often like don't you ever hear people say oh i don't know why my body is doing this to me as if it's like me and my body right mm. it's like well your body's your best friend you might as well take care of it and then it's not going to have those symptoms. It's more that, that this connection is like, I'm doing this, my body's doing this, I'm doing this, my body's doing that. And all of a sudden it's like, I don't know why my body's doing this. Like, it's so mind boggling. Meanwhile, if you actually connect yourself with your body, it's an incredible experience because you have your intuition telling you like, hey, I need a massage, I need this, I need that, I got to take care of myself. I'm running, you know, like my, I'm getting a cold sore, for example. That means my immunity is going down. I got to take care of myself. I got to sleep more. I got to take more vitamin D3, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. But actually listening to ourselves versus uh, expecting that our body is going to be this amazing body, but we're doing very little to help it. Mm -hmm. That's what I always, you know, like a lot of my practice is based on education. It's like you got to you know, give your body good building blocks and take care of it. You cannot just like expect your body to be this in amazing healthy state. Meanwhile, you're not willing to do anything for it. You're not even willing to take a break during the day to meditate or calm down or just sit and rest or absorb the food. Often, you know, like if you eat really healthy salad or soup, mm. it's all organic, but you're actually eating it so fast your body is not going to absorb all the nutrients that you just had if you're eating in a rush or you're mm -hmm. running the, the next thing or your mind is so busy about you know like thinking about something so it's like it's not fair like what we're expecting our to for our body to be all healthy meanwhile we're not even like willing to help it out you know it's like how, how does that make any sense yeah it right? doesn't it doesn't it's, it's wanting like something for nothing and it's wanting you know the benefits without having to do any of the work. Yeah, Right. absolutely. Which is so much of our society is driven on this instant gratification, right? It's like, oh, don't have the money, pay for it now. You know, don't have whatever, buy it or, you know, put it off or just, it's like trying to find shortcuts for everything, right? In a way that robs you of the joy of the process, right? Because everything's about the process, right? It's not about some end point. Absolutely. We're gonna have, you know, some amazing life, but it's about the journey to get closer to our ideals, yeah. right? Um, so I'm totally with you. Like yeah. The body is, is wise and always is telling us signals, right? It's always talking always. to us. Yeah. Um, pain is usually what you know people hear, um, but yeah, it's just an invitation to look at something, right? So like, yeah, look at me, you know, love me, you know, pay attention to me. Something's going on, you know? It's like, well, why don't you just take care of me versus like, let's just take a painkiller and keep on going because, you know, it's, life is busy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one thing from my, that I got from the cycling trip, that if you do have a dream or a goal, it's the matter of focus and time, mm. right? And because I could never cycle the whole country in one day. Yeah. Just because I wanted to. There's no way. So I realized, like, I, all I have to do is, like, hop on a bike every single day and just keep doing the same thing over and over. 
right? But focused, so I had to have a direction. I couldn't just go that way or that way or you know somewhere mm -hmm. else. Like, no, I'm, this is my path. Mm -hmm. And then just keep doing the same thing over and over, and eventually I got to the goal. So it's the same thing if you have any kind of dream or goal. You just want to do things towards in that direction. You don't want to just like keep going all over the place because it's scattered energy and it's not going to produce any results. Mm -hmm. right? It may give you a lot of experiences, which could be fun if that's what you're looking for in this lifetime. But if you actually want to achieve something, then you need the focus and mm -hmm. the direction. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, and it's a process. Definitely. It's fun. The process is fun. I realized once I cycled and I got to Newfoundland and there were people waiting for me, I cried. And it's like, now what? Now I gotta go home. It's like, you know, the whole thing is over. Yeah. It was just the weirdest moment because it's like, you know, like, yeah, like 40 kilometers away, 20 kilometers away, you know, and you feel this buildup. And you know you're almost there, you start crying, and it's everything so emotional because you're like, oh my god, I've made it. It's like, it's so crazy. And then you get there, and it's like, now what? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, all right, I guess I just got to take my bike and walk with it. And it was so confusing. Like, I, I, thought, I felt like I wanted to bike more, but I'm like, where am I going to bike now? You know, yeah. just like, no, it's time to go home now. The journey's over. Yeah. So I agree with you. The process is always... Uh, you know, the more fun, like when, even when I was opening the clinic, it's just the decoration, gathering woods, like I, I spent a lot of time in forests, bringing mm. different driftwoods, different uh, dried mushrooms, uh, vines, and you know, having the vision, knowing that this is going to go there, this is going to go here. But now that the clinic is up and running, it's like, I'm interested in the next clinic, right? Mm. It's like, wow, like it's the baby's birth, and now I feel like moving to the next, right? So it's mm. the process. It's that's why we really have fun here if we enjoy the process of being here mm -hmm. and working on a goal or dream. Definitely. Because there's a big difference. Definitely. And what I wanted to talk about, sort of where you're at and what you're moving towards now, right, which we were talking about before we started recording, which is to have your next clinic actually be within a hospital. Yes. Yeah. Which is incredible. So that was a, a vision I got was how you know bring the trojan horse right into the medical system i don't want to open mm -hmm. a clinic somewhere in a village far away no one can see it actually i want to exist right with the conventional medicine where people people can say like hey we have a choice alternative medicine or holistic medicine or whatever you call it it's right here available so i wanted to get into medical buildings and i did and it takes time because it's not really easy to get into medical system Right, in they are looking for doctors and I think to do dentistry or GPs or specialists, not necessarily a naturopath or homeopath, especially not a homeopath. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, because naturopathy at least is somehow more accepted than homeopathy. You know, homeopathy is, I agree with you, like people, a lot of people, especially after uh, that, that program, um, market marketplace, marketplace when homeopathy was bashed, I found mm -hmm. that that was a big impact on homeopathy. So bringing it to establishing relationship with doctors, introducing yourself, uh, referring clients, uh, mm -hmm. you know, making sure that people don't throw eggs at you and, you know, they don't just like bash you because they could if they mm -hmm. wanted to. They could just like, I don't want to, I don't want this here, right? It doesn't belong to the system. Mm -hmm. And now that I've established really good relationship with 
the real estate agents who take care of those buildings, I started talking to them about getting into the hospital. Because hospitals, that's where the people are. It's like a, it's like a hotel for sick people in some ways, right? Mm -hmm. So it, having a center there, they can just calm down, use the different facilities, and then it's a lot easier. They're already there, right? So that's just, that's just another step. And even if I can put food you know, in a door, just having start with something small there, that would be a big success. And eventually just keep expanding the space, presence, making sure that we're not biting, we're not gonna bash a conventional medicine because I never, I, I, I believe, you know, there is a, there is, there is a way for both to exist. And I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. Because not everyone has same understanding as you or I that it takes a long time and you gotta look into your body. It's actually a lot of doctors are struggling because people do want quick fixes. And they actually demand that that's what I want. I don't feel well, I want something right now. I don't need it in two weeks or something, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of demand on doctors to prescribe. Sometimes if you actually want to talk to a doctor and just say, you know, my concern, I would prefer to go the natural route, a lot of them will, will support you, say, why not? You know, they exercise too, they eat healthy. It's not like they, they are unhealthy people, mm -hmm. right? So if you have more of a slower approach and you're not just like bombarding them for something right now or something's wrong with me, they'll be able to help and share and guide you in different ways. Um, my, my doctor is very open to natural medicine and he's, he, mm -hmm. he, he's, he runs every day, he eats healthy. So just having that kind of uh, combination, I guess, with, uh, with, with doctors and building good relationships with them. Yeah, yeah no, I, I see all of this sort of evolutionary process. It's like East is meeting West, you know, ancient is meeting modern, um, and it's, you know, the middle path right, is the way forward. Um, so finding a way, yeah, to balance these things and have them um, do what they're great at and not try and do everything. Yeah. Right? Simple, yeah. And so I, I see that's where we're going, you know, regardless of yeah. whatever is happening, it's going to end up there, you know, sort of nature's going to run its course and find that balance. Um, but we're still sort of at the beginning stages, it feels like right, where this is starting to happen. Like I had heard that Reiki is now in a few hospitals, um, naturopathic medicine is in some hospitals, so now homeopathic. Yeah, naturopathic, naturopathic college is really working on bridging the two. Mm -hmm. They take extra steps in that direction. And um, yeah, they have uh, um, meditation halls where people can practice mindfulness in hospitals right now. Mm. A lot of approach with anxiety is towards mindfulness and relaxing and so on and so forth. So, you know, there is that recognition that they, they do work together. I guess sometimes it's maybe, it's maybe, I, I don't wanna blame the science. I don't, I don't think it's the science. I don't know what it is. Maybe people want to know the logic, like, oh, why this is doing this? Like forest bathing right now, there's this Japanese scientist who came up with all this stuff that happens to you after forest bathing, of walking, hiking and for 15 minutes, what actually changes in your brain, in your blood, in your body temperature after forest bathing. And now it's becoming a science of forest bathing. Mm -hmm. Where before it was like, oh yeah, it's just like hiking a forest, right? Where now it's becoming mm -hmm. a science, yeah. right? So. 
Well, it's yeah. funny. It's it's kind of funny. It's kind of sad that people have to wait for a study to be done. Yes. Right. I it's agree. just common sense, and it it kind of blows my mind and makes me angry when you think about how much resources, how many resources are wasted on science to prove something that's already common sense. But if that's the way it has to go, that's the way it has to go. So. Yeah, and some science may, you know, come along in like 15 years and we're just like some people will not open their mind or until then. I don't know. It's mm -hmm. just like, yeah, I agree with you. Like, why would this common sense have to wait for science to approve it and now like, okay, now I can practice meditation because it really works. It's like really, do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, without going too deep into that, I think it's just a cultural thing of, um, you know, it's almost like the government is the parent in a sense, and you have to you have to get permission from some sort of governing body before you can act or believe something or do something or live in a certain way, um, which to me is just a really strong sign of domestication and how controlled we've become living in these civilizations, um, and so the whole like rewilding concept, which like getting out to nature, foraging your own food. You know, learning the names of plants, of trees, of animals. That to me is like, you know, the clearest connection back to a little bit more of a, um, not wild, but, you know, indigenous or feral mindset where you can be in the, in the land and know what's around you, right? And have those complex relationships and understand sort of, you know, the intricacies of nature, mm. um, which is where I want to move more and more towards both for myself, but also for people that feel it too, because people want this. People want to feel good. They want to relieve their stress. They want to have good health. They want to have fun, right? They want to yeah. play. I, yeah, absolutely. And I, uh, I also wanted to add to the governing body. We created it, mm. right? We, as human beings, love to point a finger and say, oh, it's your fault, or, you know, it's, oh, it's the government, it's, the, it's this guy. We don't want to take responsibility. If we actually mm -hmm. took 100% responsibility for all of our actions, knowing that if mm -hmm. I go somewhere, I can lift people up with my energy or I can bring them down. I have that effect on everyone. Everywhere I go, I can just show someone a finger or I could smile, mm -hmm. right? And that person will now either feel better about everything mm -hmm. or just like, what the heck, who is this chick, you know? so. You know, and everything, like what we say, what we do, how we react to things. If you take 100% responsibility and everyone else does, we no longer have to have this governing body to govern us and tell us what to do. Mm -hmm. Because right now, we give this power of us, of ourselves, to someone else. It's like, well, you tell us what to do. And then when they tell us what to do, it's like, oh, I don't like that. Oh, no, that really sucks. You know, meanwhile, it's like, well, we did that anyway. Like, why blame? government, you know, um, there was this really amazing quote about the slaves that, um, you know, uh, the slaves despite the tyrant because, you know, he torments the slaves, but the slaves really, you know, chose to necessarily be a slave because there's only one tyrant. So they wanted to be in that position of being a slave because if they all wanted to stand up, say, hello, like, what's going on? They could take the tyrant down, right? Mm -hmm. So. It's, it's an amazing, it's one of my books, I can send it to you. It's really mm -hmm. good. Uh, I resonate with that quote a lot. 
So just taking more power in, just say, you know, I do have a passion, I love to do this, and I just gotta do it. I don't need to wait for some time, sometime in the future, or some signs. It's like, no, I'm just gonna do it. And if everyone started living out of passion, out of happiness and joy, we would have a lot healthier society, a lot you know, more of an inspiring society. People would be creating more innovations and cool things to improve our life. Mm -hmm. And we wouldn't necessarily have to um, give uh, it, you know, much of a power to government. Same as like right now, we, there's a lot of talks about GMO and uh, you know, big, big box stores like Walmart and so on and so forth. But if we stopped shopping there, those guys would bankrupt. Why do we shop there? If we complain, if we actually stopped going to Walmart, that Walmart would close down in no time, mm -hmm. right? If we stopped buying certain foods, they, they would have to get rid of them and provide what we're actually purchasing. Mm -hmm. So who is really to blame, right? Our choices, we vote with our money. So if we start, you know, like, you, um, uh, buying in places like this, you know, where it's like a, an amazing menu, every single mm. item is super healthy for you, then other places would really be out of business. But somehow you'll see, if you go to Starbucks nearby, probably they have a lot more clients than they have it here. Mm -hmm. right? Mind you, this is a new place, but does yeah, that make sense? You get the point. Yeah, yeah no, so it's like, what do we support? There's a demand for it, yes. right? There's, it wouldn't exist otherwise. Um, so, so I guess all, all, all I want to help be a part of, and I think I mean, not to speak for you, but is to have, you know, the alternative be more available, right? And so where yes. you don't have to go so far out of your way to find a healthy option. Yes. Right? Yeah, so that that's it's that, there. Yeah. yeah, it's there. It's creating presence. It's not made fun of. It's, and it's your choice. And see how you feel after this or after that, right? Exactly. And then just creating more presence and people coming and voting with their money, buy more things here, you're gonna open another location and another location and then all of a sudden it's like it becomes a trend and then you know other places become pushed down because that's how it is. It's like if this one goes like this, right? So mm -hmm. if we give more attention to healthy lifestyle, healthy living, healthy products, that the demand for the other ones will go down, right? It's mm -hmm. really that's how I look at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Simple. It's, it's very simple. Mm -hmm. And we and look how many of us are here. We could actually boycott all those big companies within a week if we actually did something together. Mm -hmm. But it's like people are like, yeah, yeah, it's a great topic of conversation. It's very entertaining. And then you'll see them again in big box stores, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or not even in a store, just ordering everything from Or ordering Amazon something. Or, you know, don't even have to leave your house. Yeah. Um, but yes. uh, yeah. Incredible, incredible. Yeah. So many cool things are happening. I know. So many cool things. I could talk to you for hours. I know, thank you um, so much, it was amazing. No, my we pleasure. We could talk for hours, I know. My pleasure. And I hope we can do a round two at some point. Yeah. Maybe actually in nature somewhere. Yes. Some sort of a wilderness foraging workshop or something. We could definitely do it around homeopathy or wild plant. We can do a plant walk from this location and then just hike around the neighborhood and find plants and maybe make something with it here. We could do like a workshop where we collect plants and then we make something here. That okay. would be incredible. Okay, well that seed has been planted. Yes. And um, yeah, so thank you so much. Thank you, thank Brian. Thank you for the work that you're thank doing. You. Yes. Keep it up. I'm excited to learn more. I'm excited to help out if I can in any way with you know spreading this. Um, 
You're already doing that. Yeah, just more people like you, right? Just <laughs> thank you. Truly, thank you so much. My it's pleasure. Been a pleasure. Yeah, My it's pleasure. been a pleasure. For everyone who's watching this, thank you. It makes a difference. Your choices make a difference, right? Every decision that we make has an impact. So never forget that. And for the small, intimate audience here, thank you for coming out. Thank you. And supporting and being here. Um, yeah. Does anyone have a question? I, mean, I, like, I like to open it up to Q&A after. Oh, yeah, of course. So if someone here has a question that you want to throw at us, we would be happy to field it. If not, that's totally cool. Do they have any live know. questions? Well, I'll check. I don't know. So, so I'll just repeat, repeat the question. So if you wanted to get into, you know, you're talking about like wild edibles, like yeah. things that, yeah. so if you want to get into things that grow around you that you can use easily, what would be maybe a top five to start looking for? So just to clarify, like in the city or in the park, because there will be two different plants. Oh, um, like more like I in a garden, so. Oh, up north will be completely different. Um, I would encourage to start with parks, any small parks. So you can definitely find plantain, right? Plantain is amazing. The leaves are edible and also the seeds. The seeds absorb 10 times water. So our psyllium, right? The psyllium that you buy for constipation, it's plantain seeds, right? They have farms where they grow plantain, they take the seeds. So if you, you know, when they have that rod, you take it off so it has a husk, but if you clean it up, blow it, you'll see this tiny little seed. So if you put the seeds in water, they'll absorb 10 times more water, right? Okay. So they're really awesome. Um, they taste uh, similar to flaxseed. Uh, so yeah, plantain, uh, definitely dandelion, because dandelion is pretty much the most amazing plant that you can find in the city. The root is edible, mm. the, the leaves are edible. The yellow flower is the highest source of lecithin. Mm. So lecithin is very good for concentration. Yay. A lot of kids with ADHD are lecithin deficient, wow. right? And the, the white fluff, the seeds, you can also collect it in, uh, right after. And the seeds you can grind, you can add it to your muffins as a flower, you can put it in your pancakes and so, so on and so forth. Wild carrot is really cool, the, the leaf. So wild carrot, so there was a study done um, on carrots and they found that one carrot in 1950 had more vitamins than 10 carrots in 2015. Wow. Mm. Our soils literally depleted because we no longer remineralize it, right? Mm. So wild carrots, so, so wild plants they actually grow on, on soil that has never been cultivated. It's very rich in minerals because the leaves fall and they, uh, decompose and then the plant grows again. So in a real farming, you don't see that, right? They, they clear, clear everything up mm -hmm. and they do not reintroduce plants back in it to bring all the nitrogen and so on and so forth. So wild carrot is awesome. The root is edible. It's a little smaller. It's really cool when it's raw, uh, like very fresh and, mm -hmm. and yummy. The leaves, the cup, couple leaves have more vitamins uh, A than entire carrot that you buy, the orange carrot that you buy in a store. It's extremely mm. high, so you can sprinkle it over a sandwich, you could put it on your salads. The flour, the white flour, you can make a fritter with it, so you just dip it in the egg with flour and put it on a hot oil, and it's amazing. It tastes like a cutlet or schnitzel, literally. 
Um, and the seeds are very good. You could make your own oils out of seeds. You could, again, grind them and make them into flowers. A uh, plant that is invasive is called garlic must right now, so any park. So a lot of plants, they, they don't want you to remove from, from parks, but garlic mustard is invasive plant. So they actually want you to come and get it. And it's a plant that is the only plant that grows in Canada that is green during the winter. Uh, the, the leaves are, they taste a little bit garlicky, a little bit bitter. They're, they're nice uh, composition in the salad. If you have, a, obviously not, you're not gonna make a whole salad out of garlic mustard, but just like a few leaves. Mm. You can put it on a sandwich. The flowers are also edible and the garlic mustard seeds, they're nice little brown seeds. You can put them in oil, you can make your own spices, you can make your, I mean spices, you know, like when you have a salad dressings or vinegars, you could add them there and extract because it's really yummy. So with four plants and the fifth plant, uh, wild violets are amazing. Wild violets, uh, the leaf is um, really high in vitamin C, but the plant, the flower, is one of the highest sources of vitamin C. Half a cup is equivalent to uh, five oranges or something like that, of the, the purple flowers the, that we have in spring, mm. the, you know, the wild violets. I think I know what you mean. When you go to the park, you see the fields of uh, wild yeah, yeah, violets. Yeah. So again, the flowers are edible, you can make it into a tea, you can eat it raw, you can put it on a salad, the leaves. And I would start, like, just like I mentioned earlier, I would start, when you learn about wild plants, you want to start very small, just like how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So same as with plants. You don't want to learn everything in one season because it's like you're not going to remember the names. You're not going to remember the medicine in it. It's going to be overwhelming. Like at the end, you're not going to remember anything. So it's good to start with five plants and then see them in the spring, see them in the summer, see them in the fall, right? Experiment at different seasons mm -hmm. because certain plants do change when they change different stadium. And then once you master the five plants, next year like, okay, cool. I'm gonna learn, you know, about the next five plants. And each year, so within five years, you have 25 plants, right? So 25 plants is a good, you know, the good ground to actually, you know, do something with it, mm -hmm. right? Definitely. And you'll notice that when you go up north, it's different, different plants all together. It's Herb Robert, uh, we can get the ferns, um, what do you call them? Um, fiddleheads? Fiddleheads in the spring. Uh, you could also get your water, so maple water. Um, you could get birch water, which is like way more efficient than maple water because maple only flows when it's warm and cold. But birch actually flows all the time, so you can get a lot of good mineral water. And trees, so birch trees, for example, the leaf, uh, when it's very young, it's got a lot of vitamin C. When it's yellow in the fall, it has a lot of vitamin A. You can experiment with, uh, with that. You can cook birch bark. So we all know about chaga, right? Because chaga, now everyone knows about chaga. But actually, birch bark, because chaga has a symbiotic relationship with birch, and it takes a lot of substances from the bark itself. You've, you, there are a lot of substances that found in chaga can be found in birch bark. So you could literally, mm. if you have a hard time finding chaga, you could cook birch bark and have 70% of what you find in chaga in birch bark. Really? Yeah. Cool. yeah. Wow. So there are a lot of cool things. But yeah, like few, you know, start small, start seeing it in different stadiums, and then, you know, just keep growing, keep growing, and 
It's, it's just like it's addictive because then you want to really like, well, what's this plan? I keep seeing it. I can never remember the name. And you're like, oh, yeah, it's this one. And you keep seeing it 15 times and finally like, okay, I remember this plan now. And mm -hmm. uh, how do you cook with it? Like parsley, never, you know, there's a lot of talk about parsley. Some people love it. Some people find it. It's very mucilogenic. It's like very, it's, it's like weird in your mouth, right? So not everyone likes it. It's good steam, right? So then like, oh, I don't like it raw. I don't like it in smoothies. I like it in, you know, in my pasta. Or I like it uh, mushed into like a pizza sauce or something, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, just like these things. It's infinite. That's really yeah. what I see is it's infinite and it transforms your world into just, you know, an everyday experience into like, no, there's magical food and medicine everywhere. Everywhere, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Even, I think we have so little knowledge Plant like poison ivy, because you, do you know about stinging nettle? Mm -hmm. So you know when you touch stinging nettle, you get a rash, right? And we all are informed of uh, not touching poison ivy because you're gonna get a rash. But another concept is that if birds and animals eat the plant, most likely it's edible, especially if a bunny or a deer eats the plant, right? Like mm -hmm. that's how they started connecting that if they eat it, I can eat it. So my friend had a bunny and we were camping and she decided, not camping, we're at the cottage and she let her bunny out and we lost the bunny. So we all started looking for the bunny and I went into the, under the trees where it was all poison ivy everywhere, right? And then I see this bunny is eating poison ivy. It's like, what the, you know, it's like amazing. So I wonder if poison ivy is actually an edible plant that we could cook because how do we know like we always are told that like well this is a really bad plant to touch but only 80 mm percent -hmm. i mean not only 80 percent of people have allergy to it 20 percent mm -hmm. can touch it play eat it probably and nothing's mm -hmm. going to happen so i also think we have very little knowledge we don't put that much money into testing wild plants they're not like i was looking into studies for publishing my book mm -hmm. There are not that many studies about wild plants, what qualities they have. It's more like a like a medicine that like, oh yeah, it's absorbed to this, this to the that. But like what what's in it? You know, like why don't we have studies done on wild plants? We have mm -hmm. studies on various drugs, but we don't have many studies done on, on actually real plants. You know, mm -hmm. what is this plant having during this time? Only selected yeah. plants, right? So maybe poison ivy is actually edible after all, right? Who knows? Who knows? I know stinging nettle you can cook and eat and make tea and I wouldn't be surprised. At this point, I really wouldn't be surprised. Based on the rabbit. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, that just goes to show like how deep this is and how amazing nature is. And so, again, if this speaks to you, you know, reach out, do some research, find her book, come out in person if you're in Toronto, connect, and um, we'll all grow stronger together. Yeah. So, yeah. That's that. We're going to sign off. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you so much. And uh, have a beautiful evening. Until next time, take care. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in, for supporting me, and for supporting the show, and for redefining reality on your own terms. It is spring of 2017, and lots of good things are coming. So stay tuned. If you have guest ideas, if you have topic ideas that you want covered, hit me up, optimalhealth at brianhardy.ca with emails or find me on social media. And we're going to keep this thing rolling. We are going to keep it rolling. We are going to be doing live events and workshops in the Toronto area. 
and things are just going to keep getting better. We're going to grow this community and make everything integrate. We're going to integrate our experience and uplift each other. So glad to have you aboard. Again, if you can, if you're still listening and you haven't done the iTunes rating and review, please do it. I will thank you deeply. And so will the show and the other listeners that discover the show because of your help. Okay, be well, much love, and stay B-E-A-utiful.